Welcome to the Gingsberg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsberg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsberg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Hey everyone. Good morning. My name is Dennis. I'm one of the pastors here and today we begin a three-week sermon series entitled Blessed. Today we are going to focus on blessing others and our scripture is from 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 17 to 19. So if you have your New Testament, turn there, perhaps it's on your smartphone, go ahead and look that up. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 17 through 19. And as you're turning there, I'm going to take about 5 minutes, maybe 10 minutes, and I want to talk in general about blessings just to set up this teaching series and then we will walk through the scripture today verse by verse. So, in order to begin, I want to invite you to participate with me by a show of hands. Everyone in the house, how many would say that you are blessed? You'll just acknowledge that you're a blessed person. I'll raise my hand as well. Absolutely. Thank God. Thank you God for your blessings. I am blessed. Okay. Put your hand down. A lot of us in this room, most of us in this room, I pray all of us will realize that in this room that we are blessed. Here's the second question. It's not a trick question. Here's the second question. How many would say that they're open for a little more blessing? If God's dishing out the blessings this morning, it doesn't have to be a lot, but just a little bit. How many would say allow God to see your hand? I'm raising my hand as well. Anybody here want some blessing today? Okay, good. A lot of people here. I'm with you. I'm with you. Third question and final question. If God would give you more blessings today. And let's just take it further. And since we're talking about finances, if God would give you financial blessings. If God would make you rich. Would you be a good rich person or a bad rich person? Be honest. Turn towards your neighbor, your friend. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. You'll meet a new friend today and just tell them quickly if you'd be a good rich person or a bad rich person. Do you think you would? I mean, right? We're all growing here, we're all learning. What would you be? <laughs> okay. Did you meet a new friend? If you're a rich person, they may want to meet you now. <laughs> we laugh, but the truth is if we're honest, all of us would like a little more blessing. I mean, no, I want despair. I I want uh, non-blessing in my life. I want disaster. No, nobody prays that. If God's dishing out some blessings, a little more. Now, most of us are humble enough we'd say, "Well, not a lot more." I mean, we don't need any big jackpots, but we would like just a little more. And the reason why I share all that is because Paul is teaching Timothy about riches and he has a word to rich people. He wants them to be good rich people and not bad rich people. So this message today is not about how to get rich. This message today is how to be rich. And if you ever become rich that you will be a good rich person and not 
a bad, rich person. The reason I say all of this is because rich people live in denial. Rich people live in denial. And it's odd because tall people can admit that they're tall. In the American society, I'm a tall person. I can admit that. Short people can admit that they're short. Musical people can admit that they're musical. Introverts, if you can get them to talk, will admit that they are introverted. Extroverts, you don't have to wonder what they are. They're happy to tell you that they're extroverts, right? As if we wouldn't know. But rich people struggle with admitting that they are wealthy in finances. Rich people live in denial. Gallup did a survey of average Americans a few years ago asking them in their mind what would be considered a rich person. How much money would you have to bring in per year to be considered rich? And on average in this study, the normal person said $150,000 per year. If I made $150,000 per year in my annual income, that I would be rich. In that study, they went to people that made around $150,000 and they asked them, are you rich? They say, no, we're not rich at all. Now, we know people who make more that are rich and we can point to them, but we're not rich. Also in this study, it went on to ask people who made an average annual income of $30,000 to $40,000, much less, and asked them how much would they need to make in order for them to feel rich. And they said, not millions of dollars, they said $75,000. If I had an average income of $75,000, I would be rich. Then they went to people who made an average income of 75,000. Are you rich? Not rich. We can tell you who's rich, but not rich, not us. Money Magazine about that time came out with a question asking their readers, how much would you need to have in your portfolio? How much would you need to have in your bank account? How much would you need to have in your assets for you to feel secure, for you to be set, for you to feel rich? And on average, the readers of that magazine said $5 million. If I had $5 million, I would be worry-free. I, I would be okay. Now, think about that for a minute. Not $1 million rich. Not rich at $2 million. Not rich at $3 million. Not rich at $4 million. $5 million rich. But I just have a hunch that if you go to someone with a portfolio of $5 million. Are you set for life? Are you satisfied? Are you rich? Well, uh, not really rich, I would say. Not really rich. Here's the conclusion in America. Nobody's rich, but everyone knows someone who is. <laughs> How true. How true. Let me give you some good news today. You came to church. You're ready for some good news. Are you ready for some good news? Here it is. According to the United Nations, in a study done through the Brookings Institute, looking at world wealth, looking at a population in the world of a little over 8 billion people on planet Earth right now, if you have an income of $50,000 per year, you are in world wealth of 8 billion people, you are in the top 1%. Now, I knew that would be your 
response. I knew you wouldn't be standing up saying, glory to God. Thank the God of heaven. I am a rich financial person. Wow, I didn't deserve it. Look at me. Here I am, God, and I make 5,000 more a year. I make 10,000 more than that. I can't believe it. No, I knew that would be your response. Ho-hum. <laughs> Twiddle my thumbs. Yawn, pastor. You've taken 10 minutes. You haven't even read the scripture yet. I knew this church. You know why that's our response here in comfortable Miami County? An air-conditioned room. Most of us had some food already this morning. Because we don't feel rich. Because we don't think that we're rich. We know other people. We watch Hollywood. We see all this. And we see other people. We see our neighbor. And you see. We don't have a blessed mindset. Now, I'm saying all this to say, I don't want you to miss the point. This is not guilt trip Sunday here from Pastor Dennis, no. My goal today is not for any of us to feel guilty. Our goal together is for us to feel grateful. To feel grateful, amen? To know that we are a blessed people with responsibility. That's the goal today. And that's the Apostle Paul's goal as he looks at our scripture today from 1 Timothy chapter 6. So I'm just going to take you through. This is Bible study here. If you have your New Testament, just follow along on the screen. Here's what he says in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let's just break that down. Command those who are rich, well, we've already said in the light of, um, of world wealth of 8 billion people, most of us are very wealthy. I understand there are some that are really struggling. I'm not trying to dismiss that. When I was a district superintendent and working in southeastern Ohio, I learned in one of my counties, we had 75 families in Ohio and, and that didn't have indoor plumbing. 13 of my small churches I oversaw didn't have indoor plumbing, you know. And that's the reality. Now, this is not in 1800. This is right now, today. So there are challenges today. I don't want to dismiss that. But overall, we look at our world wealth. Most of us didn't worry if we... We're going to have food yesterday. We're, we're well fed. So he's speaking to us. Now let's go on. Command those who are rich in this present world. Underline that portion. If you can put that back up on the screen. Present world. What that suggests right there is that even though we've read that a hundred times or more, we've overlooked it. Present world, what that would mean that there's another world. If you are making a reference to present world, it just conveys that there must be something more. You just said in this world. If there's a present world, there must be a future world. If I'm living in this present world, I have to ask the question, what I do in this present world will it affect what will happen in the next world to come. 
Last week, we looked at the topic of heaven. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is preaching on the final judgment. And he talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats, of the blessing and the cursing. And it's that whole passage, I was hungry, did you feed me? I was thirsty, did you give me something to drink? I was naked and you clothed me. It seems to suggest that we live in this present age and what happens in this present age will also affect what happens to us in our future age. He says, command those who are rich in this present world, now here it is, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. What happens is the more money we make, we start to trust in our own riches. Nothing wrong with making money. Make as much money as you can. I love even uh, one of our um, uh, Methodist founders, John Wesley. He said, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. But certainly, we make, we work, we, we make all we can. But he goes on to say, don't put your trust, don't put your future, don't put your hope, your dependency and wealth, which is so uncertain. It's here today, it can be gone tomorrow through natural disaster or through war or changes. It could all go. And then where will we be if we put our, our whole lives, our dependency on ourselves? What if all of our savings was wiped away? Where would our hope be? He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, to think that just because you have something in your bank account that you're secure. No, put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Look at verse 18. Command them, meaning us, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. What he's saying here is don't be the average do-gooder, but you are to be rich in your serving, rich in your giving. Don't let your wealth detract you from what's really important in life. And then to wrap things up, verse 19. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. There's that little thought again. There's a coming time. There's a coming time of accountability so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. The key to blessing is a generous Heart. We are blessed, but it's not simply to hoard it for ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing. I'm a product of someone else's generosity. As I stand on this stage, I want you to know, and I confess to the world, let it be on tape, I am not a self-made man. I am standing on the shoulders of other people. Some people are still scratching their heads. How did Dennis become the lead pastor of Kingsburg Church? I always say, if I could explain it, I'm not sure that God would be in it. Amen? I'm a kid from Appalachian, Southern Ohio. Our first home was in the Moxahela trailer park. Not a lot of hope there in that trailer park south of Zanesville. 
but people believed in me. My public school teachers encouraged me. My Sunday school teacher says, we believe in you, Dennis. We see potential in you, even when I didn't see it in myself. After eight years of college and graduate school, from a below average income family that struggled, I was debt free. Through a strong work ethic, yes, but more important because people poured into me, some people that I don't even know I'm a benefactor of. Look at your life. Look at the way that your life has been shaped. Whether you know it or not, there have been people that have come along the way that have encouraged you, that have walked with you. That's the people that we're called to be, those kind of people. We've been blessed, absolutely. But we're blessed to be a blessing. One of the things I love about this church, there's so many wonderful churches all around. Praise God. Let's pray for them, encourage them. We're in partnership together. But one of the things I love about our DNA here, it's, it's not just about bigger numbers. Our very motto, love Jesus and actually do something about it. If we say we love God, we have to love our neighbor. And the systems are already here through beautiful partnerships that we've had. One especially new path of Miami County that was birthed out of this Gingsburg movement and, and the lives that it touches today all over the county from Piqua to West Milton to here in Tip City. Absolutely incredible. And the systems there. And I want to encourage you to, to get plugged into our work at New Path. Uh, we're going to be hearing a lot more about that around the holiday of, of ways that we can support that ministry as well as our other 501c3s of New Creation Counseling Center and Clubhouse, which is our um, focus on uh, teens, adolescents, tutoring, and leadership. Pour yourself into people. We are blessed. Now, how many at the beginning of this message said they were open to more blessing? <laughs> A little bit more difficult now because Jesus reminds us from Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. See, now think about this. Jesus was saying here, you want to be blessed? You've got to do the opposite of what is natural. You think blessing means receiving. I'm blessed. I won the lottery. I did this. I got this. I got this new promotion. You know, I'm walking in the blessing, you know, walking in the anointing. When Jesus said to be blessed is to give your life away. <laughs> to be blessed is to serve. I love that. So again, let me read it one more time for we'll all know it. We'll know it by heart by the time this is over. Verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put your hope where? In God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Put your hope in God. Some of us don't consider ourselves rich. This has been a weird message for you. And yet you're putting your hope in riches of this earth. <laughs> What the scripture says is do the very opposite. Don't put your hope and your trust and your future in 
materialistic things. Put them in God and you will find that you'll be living in the blessing, the blessing of the Lord. Now I'm gonna wrap things up. Some people are very critical about churches and pastors that speak about money. Church is always talking about money. Have you ever heard that? That never has been said in Miami County or Montgomery County in the history of our county, right? Church is always talking about money. Well, the truth is, if you're new, let me tell you a little bit here today. You can't say that about this church regarding sermons. In fact, although like every church, we take an offering every week because that's what we do in worship. That's how we worship our Lord. This is the first sermon since Christmas that I have taught on money. So this is your lucky day, amen? <laughs> but do you know why the preachers talk about money? Because Jesus did. Jesus talked more about honey, money. <laughs> it's been long, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go and see my honey, my wife. It's time for me to end today. <laughs> Jesus talked more about money than heaven, hell, or prayer. There are over 2,000 verses in the New Testament deal with money or money management. Money is not the root of all evil. That's what the scripture says. The love of money is the root of all evil. The dependency on it, the lust of it, the longing for it, the dependency of it. See, Jesus knew that it's the chief competitor of our souls. When you woke up this morning, I'm sure that if you're in this place today, you did not say, I got a hard decision to make today, whether I'm going to choose Jesus or Satan today. <laughs> not too many people who would be attending this service, because there are other things you could do today. You don't need to be here. You made a decision. So I just uh, tend to believe, I can assume that you did not make that decision today. You didn't say, am I gonna choose Satan or Jesus? No, you said, I'm gonna choose God today. Somebody would ask you on the street, what's your favorite holiday? You're probably not gonna spend a lot of time thinking, oh, it's Halloween or Christmas, Halloween or Christmas. I don't know. You know no, that's not the real, the big issue. The issue is, where am I going to put my trust? Where am I going to put my focus? How am I going to live my life? Who's really going to be in control? Me, a self-made man, a self-made woman, or am I going to just trust in God? Am I going to trust in my portfolio, in my pension? It could be wiped away in a minute. Or am I going to trust God? That is the heart issue. Let me ask you, give you two questions and we'll leave here today. And it's this. Think about the scenario here of these two questions. Number one, it's, it's really a statement. What brings you more anxiety? Number one or number two? Number one, you come to understand there is no God. God doesn't exist. When life is over, that's all there is. It's lights out. No eternal life, no reunion with family, no heaven. That's it, nada, nothing. It's all over. When you're dead, you rot. Does that bring you anxiety more than this next statement right now? All your money is gone. You don't have anything. 
no hope right now today of regaining it all for the future. Let's be honest, we'd be freaked out by both, but especially number two, if we didn't have anything right now. But let's change the backdrop a little bit. Let's say that you're in a hospital room. You've got all those wires hooked up to you that you don't want hooked up to you. Your window of time is closing. Your life is coming to an end. Here's what I know about the human heart. Here's what I know about human nature. I know that it's in that moment, you're not worried about how many likes you're getting on your social media. It's in that moment, friends, that you're not worried about how much money is in your 401k or what's on your social media calendar or your general calendar. You don't need a priest or a pastor to tell you that. It's in that moment you want to know that there's a God. You want to know that there's more to life than that room. You, you want to know that you're not alone, that you're not abandoned. You want to have hope. You want to know that the God that you have spent your life learning about and serving can actually be trusted. And I want to say that Jesus Christ has already proven his love for us on the cross, that we can trust him. And if you're willing to trust him at the end of your life, why can't you trust him in the middle of your life? <laughs> why can't you trust him today? Why can't you put your dependence on him today? He's faithful. He's trustworthy. We're blessed and we're called to be a blessing to others. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your hand has been upon us, not because we're loved any more than anyone else, but in this moment of time, we have received more than we deserve from ways in which you've opened doorways up. You've brought us even here. For almost all of us here in this room, you've given us the ability to walk into this place to actually walk. And we give you praise and glory for all that you continue to do. We do ask you'll continue to meet the needs of this church. You'll open up storehouse of blessing. You'll restore relationships. For those who are in broken relationships today, I pray that your healing will be upon them and that you'll bless them today, that you'll make all things new. But Lord, we don't want to hoard it to ourselves. May we be your hands right here in Tip City. May we be your feet. Use us for your glory because you're worthy of it all. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. And if you agree, would you say amen? I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.